It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is October 14th, 2020. My name is Phil Ross-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can find me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore Orlando. On today's episode of Locked on Magic, we're going to do kind of a quick primer for the offseason. Uh, just kind of reset where the team stands, what the team's going to be able to do, and, and, and sort of what the team's goals are going to be. I want to start off by just listing off some of the lessons that we might have learned from the playoffs. Some of them are pretty obvious, and some we've already discussed plenty on the show. We're going to hear from some other sources around the Locked on Podcast Network about players that Magic fans have in their eyesights for what the Magic should do. And I'll talk about how realistic those moves might be coming up here in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. By searching every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. What the lowdown? On the Los Angeles Lakers and their championship celebrations, check out Locked On Lakers. Want to check out uh, more information about the Tampa Bay Rays as they play the American League Championship Series? You can check out Locked On Rays. There's a Locked On podcast for you no matter what league you're looking for and whether it's the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, or college too. No matter who your favorite team is, download their favorite podcast today wherever you download podcasts. Search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. So I want to just start off this sort of off-season primer, this off-season look ahead, by discussing where the Magic stand, what, what the Magic learned from this season. It, it has been, I would say, the biggest debate uh, among Magic Twitter and among the Magic fans that I interact with about how the Magic move forward and what the Magic do from here. I'm going to do a deeper dive on this, but... No matter how you cut this season, no matter how you want to define this season, and y'all know that I'm probably a little more optimistic than most, this season was a disappointment. The Magic did not accomplish the goals that they had set out from the beginning of the year. They entered this season saying, we want to be a team that competes for fifth, sixth home court advantage. We want to be a team that takes that next step. And, inclu- and indeed, we exited the 2019 season with the 22-9 and run, with the first playoff appearance, with the 42-40 and record, saying... This is just the beginning. We are not done here. And yes, the Magic maintained a lot of the same players from the previous roster, but the belief was internal development, both with Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac, as well as Markel Fultz, would be able to propel the team forward a little bit. I don't think the season was a total loss, as I have said over and over and over and over again on this podcast. The first goal that the Magic had this season, the number one thing the Magic had to do was prove that 2019 was not a fluke. And through all the injuries, through everything that happened to the Magic this season, they proved that to me. 
Maybe they didn't to you. There's certainly there's you know certainly issues that have to be ironed out. But making the playoffs and making it by seven games, even with a worse record, even with a 33 and 40 record, even with other metrics showing that they took steps back, they prove that they are a playoff team in this in this Eastern Conference. So baseline goal met. Season was not a failure. But the season was not a success either. And that much is abundantly clear. This season, we saw this Magic team's limitations, this group's limitations. They are not going to take that next step as presently constructed. Some, you know, health would help. But how much? Not enough to say that they would catch the Pacers or the Sixers or the teams that were ahead of them in the standings. They are good enough as constructed to make the playoffs of the Eastern Conference as low of a bar as that is. But they're probably not good enough to take the next steps. And some of the things that we learned about in the NBA Finals certainly suggests that the Magic have a lot of work to do. So if I ever sound like, you know, again, I'm an optimistic person. I really don't think the Magic are on a point of panic or a point where they have to do anything super drastic. I actually think the Magic are much closer than people think. But there is a lot of work to do. Don't get me wrong. If the Magic return the same roster this year, next year, just adding Chumo Okiki, just adding a draft pick, and finding someone you know even as good as Al Farouk Aminu at the mid-level exception isn't going to be enough to make them a six seed. Unless, uh, unless Aaron Gordon finally takes that star leap we're all hoping for. And that's really what this comes down to. The number one lesson that we should have all learned from the playoffs, and it's the most obvious lesson, the most glaring need on this team, is star power wins in the NBA. If you have a guy that can create a shot, that can get his own shot, that can hit that buzzer-beating shot, as stereotypical as it sounds, if you have that guy, you can go far. I've been railing against some of these early power rankings and some of these early uh, odds that are coming out that they're not giving the Magic the respect that they've earned. That they're believing in a team like the Chicago Bulls. Again, I, I actually think the Bulls had a really had a nice season. Not the season I think they ultimately wanted. I think that they're in the same boat as the Magic where they didn't accomplish all the things they wanted to accomplish. But I think the Bulls are much closer than people realize too. You know, I, I, I think people are giving teams like the Bulls, the Hawks, the Wizards a benefit of the doubt that frankly the Magic have earned too. Two straight years in the playoffs is nothing to sneeze at. And frankly, those teams have to make up seven games on a Magic team that didn't have a good season themselves. And even without Jonathan Isaac, because the Magic played most of the season without Jonathan Isaac, even without Jonathan Isaac, I'm still convinced the Magic are a playoff caliber team, a player playoff capable team. That's not to say that they will make it, but if we're all if we're going to start the NBA season tomorrow, I'm picking the Magic to make the playoffs. I'm a little worried about the Wizards with John Wall. I'm certainly worried about the Hawks making a leap, which is very, very possible. But I'm still confident that this is a playoff-capable roster. The issue is the Magic don't just want a playoff-capable roster. But back to my point, these other teams, the Bulls, the Wizards, the Hawks, are getting more respect in some of these early power rankings because, yes, they have the star the Magic are missing. The Hawks have Trey Young, and everyone's expecting Trey Young to take another major leap this season. The Bulls have Zach Levine, who is a dynamic scorer. We'll talk about him coming up in just a moment. And the Wizards have Bradley Beal and John Wall. They may not have the depth. They may not have the experience that the Magic have. 
but they certainly have something that pops out at the eye. And you look at what the Los Angeles Lakers did and how Los Angeles Lakers built themselves. And yes, they're the Lakers. They are the exception to every rule. They signed LeBron James. They signed Anthony Davis. And the rest of the pieces fit, fit in perfectly. The Miami Heat are a better example. The Heat, again, I, I keep making this point. The Heat are a team very similar to the Magic. The Heat were in the same spot the Magic are now two years ago. They were capped out. It didn't look like they could do anything. And they were in and out of the playoffs every year. They weren't, they weren't taking a big leap up. They didn't have runaway prospects. They didn't have runaway all-star prospects. But they stuck to their plan, and eventually they consolidated it to get Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler was the guy that tied it all together. For sure then, the number one thing on my mind when it comes to the Orlando Magic, the number one thing the Magic have to make sure they do is find their star. A star ties the whole thing together. And it's vital. It is absolutely vital that the Magic get that move right. I don't know what that move is. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know which star the Magic are going to pick. And frankly, it might be another Serge Ibaka situation where they take a huge gamble on a guy who's set to become a free agent and try to use a year or maybe a year plus one to convince him to stay. I don't know who that guy is. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know who it is. It's, I don't think it's Bradley Beal. We'll talk about Zach Levine here in a little bit. I don't think it's Zach Levine. But I, 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 I fully believe, though, that the Magic need to find that starring player. Nikola Vucevic is a nice player. Don't get me wrong. You all know I'm, I'm a Vuce guy. He is a nice player, but again, we saw the limitations of how he plays and, and how he produces. And frankly, the limitations of the roster around him. The other big lesson, of course, is the Magic need desperately need shooting. Three-point shooting makes everything easy. It gives you the space to drive. It gives you the space to shoot. It makes everything easier. It allows you to try more versatile lineups. It tries you to do funkier lineups. The Magic's lack of shooting puts them in a box. And so if the Magic are not going to get a star this summer, they need, or this offseason, summer's already over, if the Magic are not going to get a, a star this offseason, which again, it'll be very tough, they need to put an emphasis on finding shooting, on adding the, that skill to their skill base. Because right now, they don't have any shooters. Evan Fournier is the best shooter on the roster, and he's got a lot of cards on his table, and, and a lot of Magic fans will see him go, which I, I still don't quite understand. So the Magic face a lot of issues this offseason. A lot of needs that they have to fill, a lot of skills that they have to to put to tie together. And the unfortunate thing for the Magic is the only thing, the only outlet they have available to them to tie this all together is the draft and trades. The Orlando Magic are capped out. That that sounds like a bad thing, you know, the Magic I think this season ended with the fifth highest payroll. That sounds like a bad thing, but I I I think that that's overrated to to say all that. Um, because, A, the Magic are not getting free agents as currently constructed. The Magic could clear all the cap room they want. A, this isn't an offseason to have free agents, so who cares? There's a reason why they front-loaded Nikola Vucevic's contract the way they did. Who cares about that? You're not spending money. You're not getting any major free agents this summer. There's no major free agents to get. Evan Fournier is probably the second or third best free agent on the market if he chooses to opt out, which I don't I don't think he will. Um, that, that opt-out date is undetermined at this point. But 
what the Magic have instead is hopefully the ability to go out and make trades. They have big salaries that they might be willing to part with for the right guy. And they they have to be able to use that smartly. That's going to be the key to this offseason. How they use those big contracts and trades. Whether they do use those big contracts in trades. That is the key to this offseason. That is everything about this offseason. Making the wrong move now could have dire, dire consequences. That much is abundantly clear. But free agency is not how this team's going to grow. It, this team's just frankly not ready for the major free agent. It's not the play to make. The play to make now is what Miami did with Jimmy Butler. Go find, I guess maybe Jimmy Butler's the wrong example because he's a free, he was a free agent and chose Miami, but go find a star who's in a bad situation or a team that wants to rebuild and make a deal. That could prove tougher, honestly. And I think the Magic are probably in a better better spot to trade one of their veteran guys to move up in this draft and try and find a star in this draft. The problem is this draft doesn't have a lot of stars. And honestly, picking at 15, they'll probably get someone that can contribute at a high level to them. Um, honestly, if I were the Magic, uh, you know, that, that rumor about the Knicks trying to move off of eight, eight is an interesting spot to move to. Uh, although I don't think the Knicks have what the Magic want or the Magic have what the Knicks want to, to get to eight. So finding a trade partner to move up in this draft, I think, would be, um, if there's a guy that the Magic really, really want, is the better play. I do think that the Magic ultimately, while I've been hammering it home that I think the Magic are a playoff-caliber team and, and I don't think we should count them out for the playoffs next season, and I still don't think we should do that, I do think it is more likely that the Magic decide this summer, instead of going all in to make a splashy move to bring in a you know kind of bigger-name guy, I think it's more likely the Magic take a step back this offseason. Try and move one of their veterans for a younger player that they really like, that they have a little bit of cost control on, clear their books a little bit, create some more financial flexibility so that they can make an all-in move down the road. The one part that I want to make absolutely clear, that if I'm Jeff Weltman, my goal this offseason is to position this team to become the team I ultimately want it to be. With Jonathan Isaac out, you have the cover to take a step back. And so for me, the big goal this offseason is to start bringing in those skill guys that can make your team better in the long run, but to start making this team bet the vision that you have moving forward. The one area that I think the Magic do share similarities with the two teams that made the finals, both the Lakers and the Heat, is their defensive versatility. Both those teams, the Heat were not a great defensive team in the regular season, but they they found ways to make teams, uh, you know, make lives difficult in the, in the playoffs. But the Lakers were the third best defensive team in the league this year. And they proved throughout the playoffs that they could play a different way every time. The Heat went smaller, the Lakers went smaller, and they never changed their defensive core. The Magic have collected a lot of guys that can guard multiple positions. They have a potentially elite rim protector in Mobamba. I'm not giving up on that. The stats say that he is getting there. They have a, an obvious defensive ace in Jonathan Isaac, who of course will miss the 2021 season. They have a solid defender in Aaron Gordon. Jumo Kiki projects to be a good defender. Alfred Camino is a good defender. Michael Carter-Williams is a solid defender. They have the bones of a really strong, versatile defensive team. And I think, I, I'm not saying you double down on that. You just keep adding defenders. You don't want that. You need skill players. You need those skill guys. 
But the Magic do have something to build with. And so I think it's important that the Magic take this next step to keep building along that path, to keep growing on that path. And again, what's most important this offseason, what's most important this offseason is the Magic continue to see to the end of their ultimate vision, to build toward that vision. Every move has to have purpose toward that ultimate vision when you are contending. So that when you are ready to take that all-in risk, you take it. I don't think this offseason is the offseason to take the all-in risk, especially because Isaac is out. Isaac's going to have to prove himself, and you're going to have to pay Isaac in the meantime. Isaac and Fultz are going to have to prove themselves to get us to that stage where it's time to take the big risk. This offseason, the Magic should be looking to add guys that they see as part of the puzzle, big parts of the puzzle, but parts of the puzzle, for that final vision that they have, and put themselves in better position to make the big move in 2022 or further beyond. There's already a couple players that I think Magic fans have circled on their calendars and have an idea of who they think they should grab. And we're going to talk about them and the prospects of the Magic going after them with some help from our friends around the Locked On Podcast Network. But first, let's talk a little bit about our friends at Built Bar. You've heard me talk about them forever. But they're such a great product, I keep talking about them. Plus, they're on my ad calendar, so I'm going to talk about them anyway. Built Bar, you know, Built Bar is literally a, a an energy bar, protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And, you know, I, I'm not big, I was never big into energy bars because, those protein bars, because they, they just never tasted right. They always felt more like full meals, a meal replacement rather than a little energy boost. Built Bar is not like that at all. It's low calorie. You know, all of them, I think, are under 180 calories per bar. And so they give you that little kick, that little energy that you need to get through your day. Built Bar comes in 18 amazing flavors. I've tried several of them, like cookies and cream, uh, German chocolate, double chocolate. And I can tell you, they are all delicious. They taste exactly like they say on the box. There's like a vanilla one that I have that's just amazing. I don't even know if they make it anymore. It's so good. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are healthy. They're great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for keto diets. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So already we've seen a lot. I've talked to a lot of Magic fans and there's already a wish list growing. And there are two names in particular that have come up more often than most. And, and, and we're going to talk about them more specifically and what the Magic might have to do to make those deals happen and why those deals may or may not work. Uh, coming up for the rest of the show, just kind of get into why. And, and, and what I want to do is I'm not, I'm, I'm, this is pure speculation. There's no 
actual rumor connecting the Magic to either of these players. It's just fan wish lists. Um, and, and what I want to draw out of this is to show how difficult, how 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 what the price would be to pull off these kinds of kinds of deals. How difficult it is to actually make these kinds of trades, and and sort of the sacrifice and the costs of doing so. It is not easy to make trades in the NBA. Y'all think you could just fire up the trade machine or go on 2K and pull a deal. It is not that easy. Probably a little bit easier in the offseason than in the regular season, but it is trickier than you think. And, and, and as I often try to remind people, like the more pieces you add to a deal or the more teams you add to a deal, the more complex and the more difficult it gets. But we're going to start here. Um, uh, there are just a number of players that just feel ripe for trading. Everyone kind of senses who they are. And yes, actually, Aaron Gordon is probably one of them. Even though the Magic will be without Jonathan Isaac, um, there's a sense that a Gordon's got two years left on his contract, which is probably the best time to move him um, because teams will have the extra year of security to see if he works out or not. Um, and his contract decline is front-loaded, so it declines, so it is much easier to... To, to do, to, to move. Um, but the Magic certainly need Gordon, you know, because of where he's positioned on the team and and who they're without and the questions that they have behind him. If, if the Magic are serious about making the playoffs again, trading Aaron Gordon's going to be awfully tough unless the return is significant. Another player like that, though, was Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald has had an up-and-down run with the Sacramento Kings, and a lot of that feels like it is about Sacramento more than anything else. Uh, he eventually got demoted to the be- to come off the bench this season, and despite his prodigious shooting ability, he's had a lot of inconsistency in his career. Um, he's probably, like so many other players that are kind of in his position, been put into a place where he's had to do too much. But I want to start off by getting the Kings' perspective. And Matt George of Locked On Kings has his analysis of... How, how and whether the Sacramento Kings will move off Buddy Heald this offseason. Why did the Sacramento Kings offer Buddy that contract, $88 million guaranteed contract, with the opportunity to make upwards of $100 million with incentives added on to the $88 million deal almost a year ago? Why did they make that move? Well, the easy answer is because Buddy Heald is an elite shooter in the NBA, and like I said earlier, he is worth that money. Buddy Heald earned that money by his play. Specifically, Buddy Heald shot himself to that contract uh, by shooting nearly 50% in catch-and-shoot situations and over 40% overall from the three-point line. Again, Buddy Heald deserved that money. Do the Sacramento Kings regret giving Buddy Heald that money? Probably. Does Vlade Divac, who of course is no longer the general manager of the Sacramento Kings, does he regret giving Buddy Heald that money? Probably. And it's not because Buddy Heald's not worth that money. It's because of everything that has happened since Buddy got that money. Buddy Heald forgot what got him paid. It wasn't the fact that he is this sensational superstar player that is going to put the Kings on his back and lead them to the championship. That guy here is De'Aaron Fox, and Buddy Heald is aware of that. But Buddy Heald doesn't think he's second fiddle. Buddy Heald thinks he is guy number one B. 
and De'Aaron is guy number one A. And Buddy has said it from the very beginning. He wants to be paid like he is part of the core. He is part of the future of the Sacramento Kings. And you know what? He was, and in a way, he might still be. But Buddy Heald is not De'Aaron Fox. Buddy Heald is not the leader on this Kings team. Buddy Heald is a complimentary player who just so happened to lead the Kings in scoring and come up with some big moments on the perimeter for two reasons. One, because he's further along in his development than De'Aaron Fox, at least he was at that time. And two, because he was sharing the floor with De'Aaron Fox, who was drawing so much attention away from himself that he could get open opportunities. Catch and shoot three-pointers were the bread and butter of Buddy Heald's game. And for some reason, a lot of that element of his game disappeared this season after he got paid. And I'm going to split that down the middle, the blame 50-50. 50% of that is on Buddy Heald for wanting to be his hero and idol Kobe Bryant, and 50% of that is on Luke Walton, the Sacramento Kings, for going away from what made Buddy Heald so successful to begin with. Putting him on the perimeter, allowing him to just hover back and forth, go to the corner, go to the wing, go up top regardless, spread the floor, let De'Aaron Fox either get the ball to you in transition or kick it out to you with inside-out play. That's what worked. Does any of that sound familiar to you? I, I just, just, I think it's really important to get the perspective of players from the guys who watch them every single day. And that's what's great about the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're curious about any player that the Magic might want to acquire, go check out their Locked On Podcast because they're gonna, you're going to get some unvarnished truths. You're going to get some real analysis from guys who watch them every day. And you know, it's easy to go look at Buddy Heald highlights and go look at what he's done, um, you know, day by day. Or, or, or what, what he's done at his best and not see what he's done at his worst. What I hear from what Matt George talks about there is the same problem people complain about with Evan Fournier and the same problem that, frankly, Aaron Gordon has, where they are either put into a role where they're expected to do more than their talent will allow or they think they should have a role that, they, that, their ta- that is more than their talent will allow. One of the big criticisms that we have of Aaron Gordon is that, and and I've said this for several years now, is Aaron Gordon thinks that there's a way a star is supposed to perform. You know, the Kobe Bryant style, as as Matt put it, and I've I've described Aaron's problem as a Kobe Bryant problem too, where you're supposed to be the guy that takes the turnaround fadeaway and the turnaround jumper and just goes one-on-one and dribbles to oblivion. That's not what stars do. Some Some guys, that's how their game is built. That's what they do. But that's not how an Aaron Gordon becomes a star. That's not how a Buddy Heald becomes a star. And if that's the way he's going to play, if that's what he thinks he is as a player, and if that's the role that, frankly, the Magic would be acquiring him to do, that's not going to work. So yes, the Magic needs shooting, and Buddy Heald would be a great addition as a shooter. But frankly, if the Magic are acquiring Buddy Heald and giving up Evan Fournier, they're going to be worse off for it. Because, you know... Say what you want about Evan Fournier. Fournier can create a little bit. Frankly, Evan, I don't think Evan Fournier is as good of a three-point shooter as Buddy Heald, but he's better at shooting on the move. He's better at shooting off the dribble. And at least this season, Fournier had a better three-point field goal percentage than Buddy Heald anyway. So that is, again, a real question. It might look, it might think big to go after a guy like Buddy Heald. And to, to sign Buddy Heald, to acquire Buddy Heald, he's making... $24.4 million this year. It would cost you, and he's, and that extension is just kicking, and four, year, four years left on his deal. That would cost you at least Evan Fournier, at least one of Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Vucevic 
plus a little bit more to acquire him. I personally, I, I like Buddy Heald. I'm a Buddy Heald guy. But the criticism that you know Matt has, has of him, I think is absolutely true too. What Heald gives you is a great jump shooter. And a guy who can create a little bit for himself. He's not creating for other people. And frankly, you know, unless the Magic are giving up like Al Camino and a bunch of other pieces to reach that $24 million salary um, and maintaining their core, if you add Buddy Heald to this core group, they're probably okay. That would probably be a better role for him because you have a Marco Fultz that can create for him. You can have uh, you have even an Evan Fournier that can create a little bit for him. And the spacing that 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 affords is gonna spread every is gonna spread everything out more. And heck, you know, you could even have Buddy Heald and Evan Fournier kind of split Evan Fournier's creation usage. But if you have to give up one of those guys to get him, frankly, I don't think that makes the team better. Now, the one budding star that I think is on a lot of Magic fans' radars, uh, the one budding star that I think a lot of Magic fans do have a keen interest in as, as a guy that can tie this whole thing together is Zach Levine. And I think his, the prospect of bringing him in is significantly more complicated than a guy like Buddy Heald. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But the number one guy that a lot of Magic fans talk to me about is Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls. Like I said earlier in the show, a lot of people actually think the Bulls are due to make a little bit of a run. And I think their season this year was much better than people give it credit for. They actually finished, I think, eighth in the, uh, they finished tied with the Magic for 10th in the league in defensive rating. So say what you want about Jim Boylan and, and his approach, and I think there were problems with it. But he definitely got them to play defense at a higher level. I think Wendell Carter is one of the better young defensive players in the league. And very quietly, you know, they built a solid team. Laurie Markkinen had a really down year. Um, you know, Kobe White was a rookie. They've got some interesting young players, and they are, you know, maybe the right veteran away from being a real playoff contender. Like, again, when I say I believe the Magic are still a playoff-capable team, and I think they're still the favorite to make the playoffs, that is not to say that I don't think the Bulls, the Wizards, the Hawks, those, those even the Hornets, and, and frankly, even the Pistons, they can certainly make the jump. It's not going to be easy for the Magic to make the playoffs. They need to be proactive about maintaining their playoff spot and growing for the future. But a lot of what the Bulls did, and, and certainly getting Billy Donovan makes the Bulls a more viable team, a lot of what the Bulls did relies on Zach Levine being uh, one of the best scorers in the league. And I find it very, very hard to believe with the Bulls, A, getting a new coach, uh, B, being pretty close to the playoffs. You know, again, they were seven games back. It's not, you know, they're far back. But I think they believe that if they can stay healthy, if their young guys develop the right way, if they bring in the right veterans, that they can make a run at the playoffs next season. And so I find it very, very hard to believe that Zach Levine will be on the move. But John Hollinger and Nate Duncan on the Hollinger and Duncan show discussed Zach Levine trade ideas and the potential of a Levine trade. (laughs) 
I know Nate's thoughts, but was curious for John's thoughts on what you think the Bulls could get for Zach Levine and who would be willing to trade for him. Well, I mean, your first if you were really committed to moving him, your first call would probably be Sacramento because they signed that offer sheet. Now, I know it's a different regime there, but it's still the same owner, right? So there might be some motivation for that. Interesting. Uh, more generally, like, what are you, what are you trying to get out of trading Zach Levine? I guess, or like, you're like, he's still a pretty young player who can get better still offensively. Like, because really, if you're trading Zach Levine and you're Chicago, what are you trying to get? You're trying to get somebody else's Zach Levine, aren't you? I mean, I, to me, I think you're just better off keeping your own unless somebody's willing to massively overpay. Well, I do want to see what it would look like with a real coach in there, which Levine has not really played for in his Chicago tenure. And now I, my suspicion is that he's going to continue to be so bad defensively, but I mean, his two biggest weaknesses are defense and playmaking. And yeah, I probably would rather just roll the dice on uh, just like seeing if he can improve or not. I don't think he's going to, but he's probably your best out to really getting to a uh, playoff level of offense, at least in the short term. Now it does seem like they're maybe trying to consolidate date now since they've got uh, Arturis uh, in there and you know maybe he just wants to build his own thing and Levine does only have two two more years on his contract as well right I mean maybe they're uh maybe they're feeling that a little bit but I think I, this I, yeah this trade line would be the time right yeah if, if you're going to do it when he has one and a half years left and the team knows that they have you know at least that and can maybe extend him and you've given yourself half a year with the new coach to really see what you have I, I think that would be the point where you'd really have to look hard at it if if you're Chicago but I, I, I don't yeah. think this offseason is the right timing unless you just have a, a sitter unless you just have something that's so juicy that it's like okay we have to do this so again you can hear from how John Hollinger and Nate Duncan break down Zach Levine's trade market it's the same issue that imagine how are you what are you going to move Zach Levine for that's going to make you better um it, it, you know are, can you get better by moving Zach Levine and Levine's situation is different because he's like like Aaron Gordon, has two years left on his deal. So if you're moving him now, you're giving a team essentially one free look and then another year to trade him. It's, I actually think um, guys with two years left on the deal, or guys like Levine and guys like Gordon, are more valuable with two years left on their deal rather than one because there's less risk involved. You know, you know, if you say, uh, you know, I think I can turn Aaron Gordon into X, Y, and Z, I have two years to figure it out. And I can scrap the project before the trade deadline anyway. So I, I think that they're right that, you know, the trade deadline, if the Bulls are struggling, let's say the Bulls, let's say the Bulls are so far out of the playoff race under Billy Donovan that it's clear that what they have doesn't work. Zach Levine will probably get moved at the trade deadline. And I think they're right that that is, that is the time to make that kind of a deal. Um, honestly, I feel the same way about Aaron Gordon and the same way about Evan Fournier. And so I kind of think the Magic are probably going to be more active at the trade deadline, especially especially once they kind of see where their own season goes. If the Magic are way out of the playoff race, they'll start they'll start selling some pieces. They'll move Evan Fournier. They'll move. They'll look to move Aaron Gordon very seriously. Right now, to me, the Magic hold a lot more leverage than a lot of people think. Now again. What are you actually going to get for Nikola Vucevic? What are you actually going to get for Aaron Gordon? What are you actually going to get for Evan Fournier? That is a fair question to ask because I don't have a sense of their market. But if I'm the Magic, I don't have to make a deal unless it makes sense to me. I am not under any pressure or any obligation to make a trade that doesn't make sense to me. And I think that gives them a lot of power. 
But to be honest, a Zach Levine trade feels very, very far-fetched. What do the Magic have that the Bulls would want that can make up that $19.5 million salary? You know, Evan Fournier is certainly one, and maybe a Fournier for Levine swap works. Um, You could look at... I don't think Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic make sense because they have Wendell Carter and Laurie Markkinen, so unless they've completely given up on those players. Terrence Ross, $13.5 million. You could do Terrence Ross and some filler to get to that number. And maybe that's a move that you could look at. But at the end of the day, I, I don't think the Bulls are in a position that they're ready to trade a guy like Levine. And I don't think the Magic have the pieces or have the players that will get the Bulls to move off of Levine, that, like that sitter that, that Don Hollinger discussed there. I don't think the Magic have the pieces to, to, get, to get to him. So again, this gets to the very heart of the matter. It is going to be extremely difficult to pull off a big move, to pull off a move that gets you the kind of player that keeps you very competitive, to get the star player. Certainly, this is a key to the Magic's plan, to be able to consolidate some of these players for a distress property. The issue is finding the right one. Zach Levine might well be the right one, and it might be something they explore at the trade deadline or whenever. And again, Zach Levine's defensive issues are certainly concerning, but the Bulls were just as good defensively as the Magic last year. And I think certainly under Steve Clifford program, just like under just like under anything else, I think that the Magic can certainly cover for his defensive shortcomings and 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 build a defense that that can that can work. Um, you know, again, you you can talk yourself into it. Zach Levine would be the exact kind of player the Magic needs. Someone who can just flat out get a bucket. And the Magic need that desperately. But the conditions for that kind of a trade probably aren't there yet. I've said this over and over and over again. If the Magic are going to make an all-in move right now, they need to make sure it's the right one. Every move they make from here on out has to be with a larger goal and a purpose behind it. Because y'all may hate it, some people may not like this, where the Magic are at right now is not bad. They're competing for the playoffs. They have young players growing and getting better in winning environments, learning how to win. And that's going to, again, winning keeps you, makes you valuable down the line. You know, the middle is not the worst place to be. The worst place to be is the lottery. You don't want to be the Kings. No offense, Sacramento. You don't want to be the Wolves. No offense, Minnesota. Those are the teams you don't want to be. If you end up as Indiana or Portland, it's not the end of the world. You can still fight. You can still make things happen. So if I'm the Magic, my focus this offseason is getting this draft right, no matter what it is. Getting a player in this draft that's part of this team's future and can contribute at a high level. Getting Mo Bama to continue his development. Getting Chuma Okiki out on the floor. And finding players in trades and free agency that make sense for this team down the line. This season is about building toward the future. It isn't about going all in. Not yet. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you're tuned in, him like Google, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Be sure to check out our friends at Locked on Kings, as well as the Hollinger and Duncan NBA show. Wherever you download podcasts today, we want to thank them for their clips and for the lo- and and uh, being part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. 
But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.